0: Hi, I'm Kenzie Fell, producer and co-host of Magoan Braybender's podcast channel, Side Effects. Data analytics is a popular term in the health insurance industry. MB is a proud partner with SpringBuck, a leading-edge health intelligence platform based out of Indianapolis. SpringBuck's health intelligence helps you maximize your most valuable asset, your people, by identifying opportunities to direct your resources for the highest impact in today's economy employers can't afford not to care we're joined by account executive mike pattingale and senior director of health strategy jennifer jones let's get to know them and learn more about this impactful world of data analytics without further delay welcome to the show mike and jennifer
1: welcome to side effects with an a when effect is normally used it's a noun It's already occurred. I'm Scott McGowan.
0: I'm Kenzie Fell. And I'm Anne-Marie Singleton.
1: Now, I think even for our listeners, too, I think what's important is um, we might be right, we might be wrong, but one thing is we're not afraid.
0: Our goal is to get you to think about things a little differently. And we're unscripted. We just have free reign for 20 minutes.
1: Welcome to Side Effects with an A.
0: Hello, Mike and Jen. Welcome to Side Effects. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us. Of course. Of course. And Scott, how are you today?
1: I am doing great.
0: And so we are starting off this podcast. Unfortunately, you guys are via Zoom. We wish we could have you here in the studio with us. Um, But we're going to spice up some things with these Zoom meetings. You know, things are getting kind of boring on the computer screen. It's hard to get to know each other. So I have a deck of cards with podcast question icebreakers. Are you two willing to answer a question from this podcast deck? Yeah, bring it on. Okay. Um, Mike or Jen, either one of you, which talent would you most like to have that you do not?
2: Wow. Oh, you're stumping I, us already.
3: I wish I, could sing. I have a terrible singing voice. Never even, it's not even worth trying to sing. And
0: I think that is a special gift that many people have. I wish I could
2: sing well. Agreed. Agreed. I, know you I can karaoke well. I wouldn't call it <laughs> singing, but yeah.
0: I think karaoke counts. Scott, do you have an answer to that?
1: Gosh, you mean what would I like to do?
0: Yeah, what talent would you most like to have?
1: Yeah, I can't sing. But actually, I think Jen, like, that's a really good answer. Yeah. And I can't karaoke well either.
0: So. <laughs> okay, one more question. What's your favorite gadget? This could be anything—kitchen gadget, car wow. gadget. Yeah, good questions, huh? <laughs>
2: yeah, I was not, not ready for that one.
0: Oh,
3: I've got one.
2: You do? I got one. Yeah. Oh, go for it.
0: So this uh, is recently
3: purchased. Um, I use it. I work out solely in my garage now, and it is a like, It's a wedge uh, that you can use when you do back squats, goblet squats, anything like that to help shift the direction of what muscles you're working it's like 20 bucks but it has, it's the best little thing that I have to help with working out huh. highly recommend yeah I love that, <laughs> that was, it,
0: was it an Amazon find that's normally the best
3: well technically not it was recommended through a uh, Instagram follower that I um, mm-hmm. she had posted about it and so it was directly from someone's website but shockingly it was not from one.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Mike, what about you? Could you think of a gadget?
2: Yeah, probably. Um, I have like a DSLR camera that I like to mess around with. Uh, I wish I was better at it, so maybe I need to mess with that gadget more, but that's probably what I mess around with most.
0: Okay. That counts.
1: Well, it, good. Mine would be my phone that uh, is <laughs> it's unfortunately... Just started <laughs> ringing. Yeah, I turned everything on silent, and then apparently I didn't turn on silent. Apparently I turned it on noise, well, so shoot. that would be my phone. That would be it.
0: It's a Monday. Like Mike said, you know, it's Monday. It's November. It's fine. We started off with some icebreakers, so thank you guys for participating.
1: <laughs> well, great question. So, yeah. Mike and Jen, j- just tell me a little bit about your roles at Springbuck, and maybe a little bit about, you know, how you got there. Let me start with you, Mike.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I've worn a few different hats here at Springbuck over the last four years, uh, starting out with managing our business development team. Uh, Now I've moved over to a different role as a county executive where I oversee all uh, of our partnerships in the Midwest uh, Great Lakes region. Um, I found out about Springbuck and, and made my way here actually through a Wednesday morning basketball league that I played in for a number of years and, and through some connections that, that started that, they introduced me to Phil Daniels and Rod Reason, uh, co-founders of Springbuck, And uh, I fell in love with the mission and the vision of pre- preventing disease with data. So I uh, was excited to come on board about four years ago. That's
1: great, Jen.
3: Yeah, so I joined as our health, uh, health director of health strategy, which I renewed today as far as our senior director. Um, and prior to Springbuck, I worked for another local broker that was here in the Indianapolis area at the population health So, very familiar with uh, the indie landscape around data analytics. They used another tool. Um, so, I was up against Springbuck in many different rsps lost to them, heard about them all the time. So, finally, uh, got the opportunity to speak with individuals within Springbuck, um, saw the platform, met the team, and uh, was extremely easy to as far as to join this organization and follow the mission and
2: be a part of this great team.
1: Perfect. Hey, where does the name Springbuck come from?
0: Just going to ask that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so it's derived from the South African gazelle-like animal, the Springbok. Our CEO uh, does a lot of mission work there um, and has over the years and just kind of fell in love with this animal. Um, and and uh, I guess from the way he puts it, it's uh, I think very fast land animal. It it jumps about 16 feet and it strides. So when going into this industry, they wanted to replicate that idea of this animal that is fast and agile and and adapts quickly. But instead of taking small steps, it's taking these massive leaps. So um, just switching it up and adding a U instead of the O. Uh, that's how we got it. So.
1: Kenzie, aren't you glad that wasn't a random question? Because we would be here in like twenty thirty until we got that right.
0: <laughs> I love that. I was I joking did. earlier. I'm like, I wonder if it's something deer related. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good meeting. I love that there's something behind it too, especially. Well, very mm-hmm. cool. Um, so as we get into our discussion here of data analytics, um, we're gonna have we're gonna break this down to its bare bones for our listeners. And I always like to say when I first joined MB, I wasn't even twenty six. I didn't have my own insurance. I didn't know anything about health insurance. And so when I started to learn about it when at MB, I learned about data analytics and how powerful it was. Um, so could you guys just give us a definition of what is data analytics?
2: Yeah, sure. So ultimately analytics are used within uh, businesses all throughout their organization to provide uh, decision-making support. So uh, to make the best possible decision, data provides facts and context. So without analytics decisions are typically made more on opinions and guesses. So, uh, hopefully that helps answer it. Anything you add, Jen?
3: No, I think, yeah, it's just really being able to harness data and use that for decision making purposes as we move more into healthcare analytics, obviously focusing around healthcare data that we're capturing from carriers and other various vendors that would affect the overall population of health um, of the membership.
1: Well, I think that's important. Like for our listeners, obviously, I think a lot of brokers um, distribute reporting. So basically what happened? Um, so we, we would call that kind of healthcare reporting. When, when you talk about data analytics, what's like, what's the power of having analytics?
2: Yeah, I think uh, especially when it comes to like healthcare, um, you know, we've often seen that most employers have used analytics for operations, marketing, sales, et cetera. But then when it came to their healthcare, which is often for a US based employer, the second or third biggest line item, uh they were still stuck in the nineties with the approach that they took to healthcare analytics. Um so I I really think it helps the employers and their broker consultants make each decision backed by data. And to your point, Scott, you know, rather than looking through the rear view mirror, they're able to not only focus on what happened, but what's going to happen. Uh, over the next 12 months, and and start to understand what actions they can take now to make the biggest impact for that employer or yeah,
3: the I think, as you know, you mentioned carrier reporting, and when we think about healthcare analytics, when we think about health intelligence. It goes beyond reporting. Um, it's being able to trend within the data, look at it from a clinical lens, look at forecasted events, predict events. So it brings us. Whole additional power to the data where people can use again to answer questions and solve problems rather than just look at status reporting from
1: month to month. Yeah, I think for a lot of listeners too, so reporting might be what happened and how much did it cost? And I think the power of that analytics is why did it happen? Could it happen again? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Is there a difference between data analytics and healthcare analytics, or is it interchangeable?
2: Um, I think as it pertains to like our industry, we kind of use it interchangeably. But you know, I have friends that run data analytics shops that have nothing to do with healthcare. They'll provide all of these disparate data sources from uh, you know, say a marketing firm will use ten different dashboards and these different tools to understand you know what are our leads look like? Are they qualified leads? How is this affecting our funnel? Um, and so they're pulling in into a dashboard only specific to like their marketing, and the quality of meat that they have. Whereas with healthcare, we're, we're doing this something similar, but it's all related to healthcare data and, and showing what, uh, you know, what options there are to make the biggest impact or what plan design would lower the cost for this employer the most, what would engage with, uh, our non-compliant diabetics, the best way. Um, so kind of a similar to approach, just using a different set of data.
0: Gotcha. Thank you for clarifying. So yeah. when I think about um, the businesses that are affected by this, why should a CFO or a benefits team or HR team care about these numbers? How does it affect their decisions?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, a CFO has a, a fiduciary responsibility to administer the health plan. Uh, as efficiently as possible. So SpringWorks is going to help guide them in, in that role. I think it also helps streamline a lot of what the benefits team has typically done manually. So hopefully, it's going to create a lot of efficiencies within the groups, um, and and also going to start to showcase the ROI of different wellness programs that they're putting in place, and, and really showing how they've moved the needle um, if they're reporting that back up to the CFO. Um, or if the CFO is showing
3: that to So a lot of groups that we're working with, you know, de- depending on who they need to show those outcomes or, or pulling those reports for pulling that data for, they need to oftentimes be able to answer those questions extremely quickly. Um, and having a tool like Springbok that is an interactive, you know, web based tool, they can find those answers quickly and get those out as fast as they need to. Uh, Rather than relying, again, on more traditional sources that, you know, only updated, you know, you get the report once a week or once a month, and you're trying to find those answers, it allows you to very efficiently find uh, those answers and get those questions out to those who need that information.
1: So for our listeners, so if I was curious about this, so who is data analytics for? Who is it not for? So specifically talking about, like, group size and access to data, maybe help them kind of understand...
2: Yeah, so I think each carrier has a different threshold. Um, but for us, I would say self funded employers uh, with at least 100 enrolled employees on their medical plan um, is, is where we see Springbuck, Springbuck being a good fit. I think historically it's only been made available to employers with 5,000 or 10,000 employees. Um, but now with modern technology and just how we've gone to market, we're taking what's traditionally been available to these massive employers. And made it available to all self-funded employers, um, even ones that might be significantly smaller than the ones previously mentioned. Yeah. And
3: I always take a approach to these answers. (laughs) So with exception to the size factor as far as from a funding perspective, I always think that these types of solutions are best suited for the employers that will use the data, that want to make a change, that want to be able to have this type of information and and understand how that can impact their overall employee health. If you aren't going to use data and it's more just checking the cost, nothing's going to be beneficial for you. But if you have that type of leadership and that type of culture built in to where you will make some use of this, then it can be impactful really for any group from a size perspective.
1: So when you you think about... Historically, this has been available to larger employers. So, uh, how are you able to do it for smaller employers?
2: Yeah, I think for us, just with the relationships we have with different carriers and vendors, um, you know, we're using the same process and streamlined approach. So, from our team, you know, we're putting the same amount of effort for a group, if it's one hundred and fifty employees or if it's fifteen thousand. So, really, as long as that carrier that they're with uh, is willing to give us the data, uh, we'll consume it. You know, even there are fully insured groups out there that might be looking at making a switch over the next 12 months and, and spring or or data analytics is is really powerful for them. So when they do make that switch, they have all of these ideas and, and answers as far as what will make the greatest impact rather than trying things out, um, after making a significant switch like that.
3: And I think the, the interactiveness of the tools and being able to serve up what those opportunities are, what suggested solutions and opportunities are to help mitigate that risk really works well for that smaller to also mid-sized market as well, where they don't have a robust department of analysts, um, wellness components. Like they don't necessarily have, like we have many people wearing several different hats. So. They're best able to really utilize the platform for what it is as far as driving direction and opportunity, but can also lean into the Springbuck team from a consultative perspective as far as if they need help with that reporting, if they need help with enablement, um, to be able to have this type of resource, like we stated, was traditionally mainly reserved for those jumbo or super large employers in the past.
1: Yeah, I think for our listeners, too, I think they need to understand that you guys go, so historically reporting would just talk about the specific claim and the cost. Where it is, your intel, you go much deeper. So what did happen? Why did it happen? Potentially even maybe what hasn't happened and what's the cost for that moving forward. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah.
3: And that's really the, the power is that last component that you mentioned as far as being able to forecast potentially potentially you know, diagnose what could happen in the future is really key when you think about strategy of developing wellness programs trying to control costs i mean we look at covid and everything that's happened now and so many financial predictions we have throughout the window because we had this huge gap in three months where there was nothing happening but you know there's still a need for care um so having a system that can help you understand what that risk is going forward really puts into better perspective as far as the types of programs and changes that you need in order to help control that cost
1: and control the risk. Yeah, and I even think for our listeners, the thing of just forecasting the weather, potentially, Mm -hmm. as a real Mm -hmm. benefit. So I can look deep (laughs) into that and say, okay, so what what do I predict moving forward? And that's the power of
0: data analytics. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's just me, but data analytics feels like it might be rather new or it's just not utilized enough. So why is it so much better than just the regular reporting from carriers that they've been providing forever? Is the, how much does the data vary from carrier to carrier?
2: Yeah, I think I can handle the, the first part of that. I think a lot of times we've seen from like a carrier report, it might be a 15 to 50 page report just kind of uh, flopped down on the desk. And, and then if you need to find an answer, you have to sort through all these pages, as, as Jen had alluded to before. I think with data analytics, what's so powerful is, is in a lot of them, you can search, you know, similar to an integrated search bar to understand uh, quickly what answer you need to get to rather than sorting through a, um, you know, an entire report. You're going directly to what you need to find so that you're not um, wasting a ton of time through the stuff that you're not looking for at the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I think about it. And I think it, as far. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I w- what I was uh, just kind of speaking about would be a, if you're if you're curious, you see puzzles and if you're determined you can solve them. And I think when I when I when I think of data analytics, it it just it, if you're intentional about it, you just begin to see all of the different aspects of your plan and what uh, you potentially you might be able to lean into. Yeah, I think that's
2: strong. I think you all always have really good analogies over there. At uh, MB, I remember you know Mike Sutton had mentioned one time as it pertains to Kelly on your team and all the great work she does in kind of reading the data analytics tool and putting that out to clients is you know being able to automate the ordinary so you can emphasize the ordinary. I think it's one of the best quotes. That's and,
0: currently uh, our that's currently our Facebook cover photo. So yes, I do also like that quote.
2: Oh, okay. There you go.
1: So when you think about one of the things that I think is really valuable for customers to understand would be, for example, a carrier would predict a renewal increase of X. Let's just say it's 15%. The data analytics can tell us, can validate is it accurate or not. But I think what's most powerful for brokers and also for employers is we're able to look into the future prediction of what that cost could be. So let's just say I'm a broker and I can see an increase of 15%. 15%. But my risk score inside of data analytics might say, let's just say it's 2%. Now I've got some leverage. Yep. Potentially, let's just say the risk score says it's going to go up 30%. So it, it allows the broker to really have some leverage and power to the, market, uh, to the marketplace with carriers and RFP processes and just all of those aspects of what we do every single day.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. It it really puts the broker and the employer in the driver's seat as opposed to being reliant on the carriers or even stop loss carriers as far as to determining what those rates could be. It's certainly important to pay attention and and know what trend is within the market, within your industry, for your size. Um, But like you were saying, as far as being able to understand what that forecasted range is based upon your History of claims, and then further understanding when you dig a little bit deeper, what, what are the conditions? Are they truly you know one-off catastrophic events that happen and are done, uh, so we can exclude them when we think about going forward next year? Or do we, you know do we see truly a rise in chronic conditions? And, and we know we're adding more and more to the plan that are bringing more and more of those types of conditions. So it gives you a better understanding of where that condition is coming from, and, and like you said, it. You be able to, begin to, have that leverage in those types of conversations about renewals, about stop loss, lasers, anything like that. It gives you the insight into the data to have to build in your company.
0: Are you guys able to share with us a data analytics success story?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. Um I know for one that I like, we work with a large municipality client and, uh, they were struggling to understand the ROI of their clinic. Um, also struggling to understand the power of engagement with the clinic. Um, and I know there are a a few different quantifiable metrics that came out of the case study we did with them, um, where they were able to, uh, quickly show that those engaged with the clinic were costing, uh, it was $330 less per member per month than those not engaged with the clinic. So um, just alone in a quick snapshot of, of looking at who's engaged at least one time over 12 months versus those who haven't, they, they saw a significant um, decrease in spend.
0: It's all about engagement. I don't know if there's one. Um, do
3: you want one more?
0: Sure. I, I love a good success story. <laughs> we love good case
3: stories. <laughs> uh, so this one, focuses more on the predictive analytics um, we have uh, you know another group that is a very young population they don't have a lot of chronic disease so you know looking at diabetes vendors and types of things it's not what they need um, they like those innovative approaches and by utilizing our insights products and looking at forecasted events we were able to uncover that they really stood a, a significantly higher chance of having um, high-risk individuals that were at risk for developing opioid abuse. Um, and what they were able to do is negotiate with their PDM, um, let's look at really putting in specific filaments around these drugs, let's educate our members and communicate around alternatives to opioids as far as actually not be a first line of defense with a lot of pain management. Um, and then they also went and, and spoke with the physicians within their network that were prescribing those at the highest rate. To understand you know why is this being prescribed other alternatives what they've been able to see just within the first six months of initiating a lot of this program the number of members prescribed opioids was down over 30 percent uh we saw a significant reduction in the script count for those so people who are prescribed more than seven days with opioids was down significantly and although they're pretty cheap drugs in general we still saw a pretty significant decrease and the cost of opioids in general to the plan, and, and I think that's a really important case study that we always like to mention, just because it, it again, focuses on that forecast, but there's so many different components. So it's working with the brokers you work with the PBM. it's about educating employees on their overall health um, and the overall risk and understanding. We know now more than ever that mental health um, is, is a crisis in our country and will continue to be throughout this whole pandemic but we also know that there, there are just certain underlying risks that people at a greater risk of appropriate use. So acknowledging that and, and providing that type of education is extremely important to members as well.
0: So that kind of- yeah, I, I think I like good. your- case study Go ahead.
2: <laughs> I just said, I think I like Jen's case study a little bit better than mine, so.
0: <laughs> no, that kind of brings us to our next topic we wanted to address was COVID. And how has this impacted data analytics? Is this a major trend right now that you guys are seeing?
2: Lately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, I guess more from a sales perspective, it's been interesting because before a lot of employers and, and just people in general struggled to understand data analytics. You know, as you said before, it's pretty confusing. And, you know, now for the first time ever, data is at the forefront of a lot of people's minds. And, and we're watching the data as it relates to COVID you know, for a while there was like on an hourly or or at least a daily basis. So now understanding how you can use that in your plan and and what you can do to make the best decisions moving forward for an employer, I think it's been uh, really crucial in in what we've seen from the analytics side.
1: Yeah, I think we've recognized
3: that. Go ahead.
1: No, I think, Jen, one of the things that we were talking about before was this uh, recent report, the downstream impact of COVID-19. And you guys just do a really good job talking about, um, obviously, the mitigation of all the elective surgeries that were, you know, abandoned and the potential of what that might look like moving forward. So I just thought of this analogy and it could be terrible. But anyway, <laughs> I have GPS in my car, so I have that. I can plug in, you know, where I want to go. It's going to tell me based on uh, speed and, and um, the distance when, when, I, when I could arrive. If I use Waze. It's going to tell me a lot of information. So traffic, it's going to reroute me. It's going to look at a lot of different aspects because it l- it's looking at live data and it's looking at a lot more information, which is the power of data analytics. So it looks at that. So one of the advice that you give in this white paper, which maybe we'll throw out on our website uh, for our yeah. listeners, is the fact that we can we're can we able to go back and look at what happened in nineteen potentially what was abandoned in 20 and what can we look to or predict or expect in 20 and 21?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's that way, people does a great job of dissecting COVID as a whole and understanding that there are, you know, entities out there that are trying to predict, you know, from a financial impact, what that looks like, what that means from a plan perspective and overall healthcare costs. Where we have taken a different approach around to that is to look at the micro trends, which to us are, are more insightful to understand how COVID has affected healthcare of each of our individual clients. So we look at the impact of telemedicine, we look at the decrease and quick uptick back of elective surgery, we look at cancer screenings that were missed, immunizations from a childhood perspective that were missed. Um, so a whole host of Different, you know, opportunities within the healthcare continuum. That, again, it's, it's amazing to see what was effective and what wasn't. What can we think will come back just as strong? Uh, what will remain really high, and what is just a total lost opportunity? And yeah, I highly recommend. It's, it's, a, it's very detailed, but a very quick read. We provide a lot of insight in there, also of how to look for that data within your own population we talk about solutions or you know, ways to this could potentially affect going forward as well. I, like, you know, this the whole year, when we think about calculating financials, There will always, I think be this little asterisk by 2020 um, and who knows, maybe even to 2021 as well. But we, we know that there was a dip. We know things came back, but again, it's, it's that tricky piece of understanding what is a true myth and then what will come back and stronger. And it's, it's really, an, interesting data to look at Um, We put that together with um, our data science and methods team and I think it will be really helpful for our partners
1: and our clients too. Well as we kind of get close to the end here one the three of you are a heck of a lot younger than I am so (laughs) you've got a a big future a longer runway than I do but if you look off into the future five to ten years from now what do you see the power of data analytics Where, 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 where do you see that going?
3: I think we'll have much more machine learning um, and artificial intelligence that will be built into algorithms as far as predictive capability um, from developing those trends and understanding truly if something significant or not. I think you'll see a lot of external data sources from a public perspective integrated. So when you think about social determinants of health and access to care, all of those being able to be factored into, again, the overall population factors and health of the group. Um, and, and Mike and I, when we were prepping for this, we're talking about this back and forth a lot as far as really probably the introduction, depending on legislation or not, um, around, you know, genome information and, and a lot of that DNA testing that's, that's in place now and, and predictive from a risk perspective like that too. I, I think, you know, the sky's the limit, um, I, I think there could certainly be a lot of legislation as far as what would be restricted, but uh, we know people are starting to come about that and this some of those types of components now.
1: Fantastic.
0: Did you have anything to add, Mike?
1: No, I think Jen summed
2: it up pretty well.
0: Well, we appreciate you both so much for your insight. Is there anything else you think our our listeners need to absolutely know about data analytics?
2: no i I think maybe more so to be comfortable with it and you know as we said before it's kind of a scary word um or or words and and it might be a little confusing but i think just taking the time to understand the power of it and and how it can help um i I would just encourage the listeners to to do that and and i think to jen's point maybe starting with that white paper on the impact of COVID 19 is is a great place
0: well, Mike, I know you're a yeah. big super fan of side effects, and we are so excited we had you guys on today. Thank you for joining us. If um, any of our listeners want to get in touch with Mike, Jen, or Springbuck, we'll have all of their information available on our website. And if anyone has questions or comments, you can email me at Kenzie at com,
1: Or you can email me, Scott, at HealthierBirthdays.com. And thank you so much for joining us today on Side Effects. Thanks for having me.